Volume 1, Chapter 20 of The Marble Fawn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Marble Fawn by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Volume 1, Chapter 20. The Burial Chant. The Church of the Capuchins, where, as a reader may remember, some of our acquaintances had made an engagement to meet, stands a little aside from the Piazza Barberini. Thither, at the hour agreed upon, on the morning after the scenes last described, Miriam and Donatello directed their steps. At no time are people so sedulously careful to keep their trifling appointments, attend to their ordinary occupations, and thus put a commonplace aspect on life, as when conscious of some secret that, if suspected, would make them look monstrous in the general eye. Yet how tame and wearisome is the impression of all ordinary things in the contrast of such a fact! How sick and tremulous the next morning is the spirit that has dared so much only the night before! How icy cold is the heart when the fervor, the wild ecstasy of passion, has faded away, and sunk down among the dead ashes of the fire that blazed so fiercely, and was fed by the very substance of its life! how faintly does the criminal stagger onward lacking the impulse of that strong madness that hurried him into guilt and treacherously deserts him in the midst of it when miriam and donatello drew near the church they found only kenyon awaiting them on the steps hilda had likewise promised to be of the party but had not yet appeared meeting the sculptor miriam put a force upon herself and succeeded in creating an artificial flow of spirits which to any but the nicest observation was quite as effective as a natural one she spoke sympathizingly to the sculptor on the subject of hilda's absence and somewhat annoyed him by alluding in donatello's hearing to the attachment which had never been openly avowed though perhaps plainly enough betrayed he fancied that miriam did not quite recognize the limits of the strictest delicacy he even went so far as to generalize and conclude within himself that this deficiency is a more general failing in woman than in man the highest refinement being a masculine attribute but the idea was unjust to the sex at large and especially so to this poor miriam who was hardly responsible for her frantic efforts to be gay possibly moreover the nice action of the mind is set ajar by any violent shock as of great misfortune or great crime so that the finer perceptions may be blurred thenceforth and the effect be traceable in all the minutest conduct of life did you see anything of the dear child after you left us asked miriam still keeping hilda as her topic of conversation i missed her sadly on my way homeward for nothing ensures me such delightful and innocent dreams i have experienced it twenty times as a talk late in the evening with hilda so i should imagine said the sculptor gravely but it is an advantage that i have little or no opportunity of enjoying i know not what became of hilda after my parting from you she was not especially my companion in any part of our walk the last i saw of her she was hastening back to rejoin you in the courtyard of the palazzo caffarelli impossible cried miriam starting then did you not see her again inquired kenyon in some alarm not there answered miriam quietly indeed i followed pretty closely on the heels of the rest of the party but do not be alarmed on hilda's account the virgin is bound to watch over the good child for the sake of the piety with which she keeps a lamp alight at her shrine and besides i have always felt that hilda is just as safe in these evil streets of rome as her white doves when they fly downwards from the tower top and run to and fro among the horses feet there is certainly a providence on purpose for hilda if for no other human creature i religiously believe it rejoined the sculptor and yet my mind would be the easier if i knew that she had returned safely to her tower then make yourself quite easy answered miriam i saw her and it is this last sweet sight that i remember leaning from a window midway between earth and sky kenyon now looked at donatello 
"'You see, motor spirits, my dear friend,' he observed. "'This languid Roman atmosphere is not the airy wine "'that you were accustomed to breathe at home. "'I have not forgotten your hospitable invitation "'to meet you this summer at your castle among the Apennines. "'It is my fixed purpose to come, I assure you. "'We shall both be the better for some deep droughts of the mountain breezes.' it may be said donatello with unwonted sombreness the old house seemed joyous when i was a child but as i remember it now it was a grim place too the sculpture looked more attentively at the young man and was surprised and alarmed to observe how entirely the fine fresh glow of animal spirits had departed out of his face hitherto moreover even while he was standing perfectly still there had been a kind of possible gamble indicated in his aspect it was quite gone now all his youthful gaiety and with it his simplicity of manner was eclipsed if not utterly extinct you are surely ill my dear fellow exclaimed kenyon am i perhaps so said donatello indifferently i never have been ill and know not what it may be do not make the poor lad fancy sink whispered miriam pulling the sculptor's sleeve he is of a nature to lie down and die at once if he finds himself drawing such melancholy breaths as we ordinary people are enforced to burden our lungs withal but we must get him away from this old dreamy and dreary rome where nobody but himself ever thought of being gay its influences are too heavy to sustain the life of such a creature the above conversation had passed chiefly on the steps of the cappuccini and having said so much miriam lifted the leathern curtain that hangs before all church doors in italy hilda has forgotten her appointment she observed or else her maiden slumbers are very sound this morning we will wait for her no longer they entered the nave the interior of the church was of moderate compass but of good architecture with vaulted roof over the nave and a row of dusky chapels on either side of it instead of the customary side aisles each chapel had its saintly shrine hung round with offerings its picture above the altar although closely veiled if by any painter of renown and its hallowed tapers burning continually to set alight the devotion of the worshippers the pavement of the nave was chiefly of marble and looked old and broken and was shabbily patched here and there with tiles of brick it was inlaid moreover with tombstones of the medieval taste on which were quaintly sculptured borders figures and portraits in bas-relief and latin epitaphs now grown illegible by the tread of footsteps over them the church appertains to a convent of capuchin monks and as usually happens when a reverend brotherhood have such an edifice in charge the floor seemed never to have been scrubbed or swept and had as little the aspect of sanctity as a kennel whereas in all churches of nunneries the maiden sisterhood invariably show the purity of their own hearts by the virgin cleanliness and visible consecration of the walls and pavement as our friends entered the church their eyes rested at once on a remarkable object in the centre of the nave it was either the actual body or as might rather have been supposed at first glance the cunningly wrought waxen face and suitably draped figure of a dead monk this image of wax or clay cold reality whichever it might be lay on a slightly elevated bier with three tall candles burning on each side another tall candle at the head and another at the foot there was music too in harmony with so funereal a spectacle from beneath the pavement of the church came the deep lugubrious strain of a del profundis which sounded like an utterance of the tomb itself so dismally did it rumble through the burial vaults and ooze up among the flat gravestones and sad epitaphs filling the church as with a gloomy mist i must look more closely at that dead monk before we leave the church remarked the sculptor in the study of my art i have gained many a hint from the dead which the living could never have given me i can well imagine it answered miriam one clay image is readily copied from another but let us first see guido's picture the light is favourable now 
accordingly they turned into the first chapel on the right hand as you entered the nave and there they beheld not the picture indeed but a closely drawn curtain the churchmen of italy make no scruple of sacrificing the very purpose for which a work of sacred art has been created that of opening the way for religious sentiment through the quick medium of sight by bringing angels saints and martyrs down visible upon earth of sacrificing this high purpose and for aught they know the welfare of many souls along with it to the hope of a paltry fee every work by an artist of celebrity is hidden behind a veil and seldom revealed except to protestants who scorn it as an object of devotion and value it only for its artistic merit the sacristan was quickly found however and lost no time in disclosing the youthful archangel setting his divine foot on the head of his fallen adversary it was an image of that greatest of future events which we hope for so ardently at least while we are young but find so very long in coming the triumph of goodness over the evil principle where can hilda be exclaimed kenyon it is not her custom ever to fail in an engagement and the present one was made entirely on her account except her you know we were all agreed in our recollection of the picture but we were wrong and held a right you perceive said miriam directing his attention to the point on which the dispute of the night before had arisen it is not easy to detect her astray as regards any picture on which those clear soft eyes of hers have ever rested and she has studied and admired few pictures so much as this observed the sculptor no wonder for there is hardly another so beautiful in the world what an expression of heavenly severity in the archangel's face there is a degree of pain trouble and disgust at being brought in contact with sin even for the purpose of quelling and punishing it and yet a celestial tranquillity pervades his whole being i have never been able said miriam to admire this picture nearly so much as hilda does in its moral and intellectual aspect if it cost her more trouble to be good if her soul were less white and pure she would be a more competent critic of this picture and would estimate it not half so high i see its defects to-day more clearly than ever before what are some of them asked kenyon the archangel now miriam continued how fair he looks with his unruffled wings with his unhacked sword and clad in his bright armor and that exquisitely fitting sky-blue tunic cut in the latest paradisiacal mode what a dainty air of the first celestial society with what half scornful delicacy he sets his prettily sandaled foot on the head of his prostrate foe but is it thus that virtue looks the moment after its death struggle with evil no no i could have told guido better a full third of the archangel's feathers should have been torn from his wings the rest all ruffled till they looked like satan's own his sword should be streaming with blood and perhaps broken halfway to the hilt his armor crushed his robes rent his breast gory a breeding gash on his brow cutting right across the stern scowl of battle he should press his foot hard down upon the old serpent as if his very soul depended upon it feeling him squirm mightily and doubting whether the fight were half over yet and how the victory might turn and with all this fierceness this grimness this unutterable horror that should still be something high tender and holy in michael's eyes and around his mouth but the battle never was such a child's play as guido's dapper archangel seems to have found it for heaven's sakes miriam said kenyon astonished at the wild energy of her talk paint the picture of man's struggle against sin according to your own idea i think it will be a masterpiece the picture would have its share of truth i assure you she answered but i am sadly afraid the victory would fail on the wrong side just fancy a smoke-blackened fiery-eyed demon bestriding that nice young angel clutching his white throat with one of his hinder claws and giving a triumphant whisk of his scaly tail with a poisonous dart at the end of it that is what they risk poor souls who do battle with michael's enemy 
if now perhaps struck miriam that her mental disquietude was impelling her to an undue vivacity for she paused and turned away from the picture without saying a word more about it all this while moreover donatello had been very ill at ease casting awe-stricken and inquiring glances at the dead monk as if he could look nowhere but at the ghastly object merely because it shocked him death is probably a peculiar horror and ugliness when forced upon the contemplation of a person so naturally joyous as donatello who lived with completeness in the present moment and was able to form but vague images of the future what is the matter donatello whispered miriam soothingly you are quite in a tremble my poor friend what is it this awful chant from beneath the church answered donatello it oppresses me the air is so heavy with it that i can scarcely draw my breath and yonder dead monk i feel as if he were lying right across my heart take courage whispered she again come we will approach close to the dead monk the only way in such cases is to stare the ugly horror right in the face never a sidelong glance nor half look for those are what show a frightful thing in its frightfulest aspect lean on me dearest friend my heart is very strong for both of us be brave and all is well donatello hung back for a moment but then pressed close to miriam's side and suffered her to lead him up to the buyer the sculptor followed a number of persons chiefly women with several children among them were standing about the corpse and as our three friends drew nigh a mother knelt down and caused her little boy to kneel both kissing the beads and crucifix that hung from the monk's girdle possibly he had died in the odor of sanctity or at all events death in his brown frock and cowl made a sacred image of this reverend father End of chapter twenty of volume one